Now, part of how we can demonstrate how different we are uh, is, is I want you to think when you leave this morning and you turn on the car radio, what kind of music, if you were all alone, what kind of music would you likely turn on? Let me just give you a few examples. Give us a type of music that they might turn on. What do you think? Huh? Okay. Now, I want you to be honest here. Wait a minute. How many would turn on classical music? Okay. Okay. All right. That's good. All right. Five or six. Okay. Give us another one. Okay, how many would turn on hard rock? How many? Yeah, all right. One? Boy, you can tell this is 8 o'clock service. What do we get to where the kids are coming to the service? Okay, all right. Give us another one. How many easy listeners? How many easy listeners? Whoa, baby, we got we got a majority here. All right, give us another one. This love that I give yeah, yeah. Now we're talking. <laughs> Didn't even wait for me to ask. The country folks don't even wait to ask. <laughs> they just start stomping and raising their hand right away. <laughs> All right, okay. Give another one. One. Turn it up a little bit. I'm not sure what this is. So Lloyd says this is electro pop or something. I don't know. I don't know what this is. How many, how many listen to music like that? No? <laughs> that one wiped out. Give us another one. One more. <laughs> All right, Christian Contemporary, how many listen to that? Okay. Let me ask you a question. What kind of music do you think I listen to? Country, jazz, who else? All of them. I've got my, I've got my, my car radio. This is one of those 12-channel car radios. I got, to, I got to tune to every different kind of channel. You got. I just love all the different kinds of, except for acid rock, hard, hard, what's they call, what do they call that? Um, heavy metal, yeah. And sometimes I'm forced to listen to that because Becky just loves that stuff. You know? <laughs> yeah. Okay, anyhow, the point is, the point is, that when you listen to things that, uh, that you love, you tend to say to yourself, now that's music. You know, that's real music. Uh, whether it's, uh, you know, oldies but goodies or, you know, Glenn Miller band or, uh, you know, classical stuff or whatever. That's real music, you say. Well, in like fashion, um, when the elements of worship or the style of worship, not the elements, when the style of worship suits you and what you really like, you tend to say, now that's real worship. We really worship this morning. 
One of the things that struck us is we got that uh, Two Cents Club together for a few times and asked people to come in and what they would suggest about worship was really a scream because pe people were gathering. And I mean, this is typical Northland. Everybody came in and I suggested just the opposite stuff. I mean, people were coming in and say, every song has to be a hymn. We ought to sing a hymn every song because that's the history of our church and it means it's so meaningful and, it's, you know, not any of this, you know, pop fluff stuff. And then there's, somebody said, I hate hymns. You know, I want, I want to sing worship. I want to sing scripture songs. I want to sing. And somebody said, we sing too much anyhow. We ought to be listening to the sermon. No, the sermon ought to be five minutes. We ought to be singing all the time. That's what worship is. See, so we had all of these opinions. And what we're talking about there is not what worship is and what worship isn't. We're talking about the style that we like. We're talking about our own religious affections. Jonathan Edwards wrote a book uh, one time. Religious affections. What really touches our hearts? And that's okay. Something different touches all of our hearts and we will have a variety and nobody will get touched all the time here because we do have such a variety. But when it comes to what worship is, there are certain elements that are scriptural that we must realize are not left up to taste. Now how we approach them may be according to our taste, but these elements are indispensable. If you have your scriptures and you'd like to turn to Exodus chapter 24, in the history of Israel and in the history of the church, there is the development of these elements. And basically, the history of Israel, the development of worship goes from Sinai to the tent to the tabernacle to the temple to the synagogue and then over into the Christian church. But the elements are pretty much the same and they are developed and reinterpreted by Jesus, by the life of Jesus Christ. They all point toward the life of Jesus Christ and they are all reinterpreted by the life of Jesus Christ. And so therefore, let's just go over briefly what the elements of worship, worship are. Yeah. <laughs> then he, this is God, <clears throat> said to Moses, come up to the Lord. And say come up to the temple, Come up to the mountain. Come up to me. Come up to me. Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and 70 elders of Israel, and you shall worship at a distance. And Moses alone, however, shall come near to the Lord, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people come up with him. Now, notice here that God is already structuring an order, a leadership pattern here. That's not tremendously important, but... But it is noticeable that right away God has an order that he is establishing for his own purposes. Then Moses <coughs> came and recounted to the people all the words of the Lord and all the ordinances. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. And then he arose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain with 12 pillars for the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the sons of Israel, and they burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as peace offerings to the Lord. And Moses took half the blood and put it in bases, basins, and the other half he, he sprinkled on the altar. And then he took the book of the covenant, and he read it 
in the hearing of the people and they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do and we will be obedient. And so Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, behold, the blood of the covenant, which is now our communion, you see. Behold, the blood of the covenant, which the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Now, if you were going to pick out four or five elements, here's probably what you should notice. First thing you should notice is you don't go to worship. God calls us to worship. There's a much different, you're not here because ultimately you desired and you initiated the move to come to God. The whole reason all of us are here is because God has called us. God has put something in our spirit to draw us. And therefore, it is God that convenes worship, not man. The second thing I want you to notice is how important it is to hear the words of God twice in this single passage. In the original, um, the origin of a solid worship tradition experience down through the years, twice it says, and Moses read the words of the Lord and said the words of the Lord. So scripture and preaching from scripture has a centrality. There have been some of you who have been uh, acquainted with traditions that say, <clears throat> well, first we have a sermon and then we worship. No. Hearing God is worship. That is part of what we give to God. Hearing his word is worship. You can't divide that experience and say, well, when I'm singing and when my spirit is open, then I'm worshiping. But when I'm hearing the sermon, then I'm operating with my mind. <clears throat> Don't divide that experience. It was not so, ever. The third element that I want you to notice is that there is a definite commitment from the people. There is a participation from all the people. No matter how close or far they feel, all of the people say, and we will obey, and we will follow, and we will do. Now listen, all of the offerings, all of the confessions, all of the prayers of the people, all of the elements that I have listed for you in your bulletin was part of the commitment of the people, part of them saying, and we will do all that God has said. And so therefore, if we come in here and we do not commit ourselves, if we come in and we listen and we leave, we have not worshiped. I don't care how many songs we've sung. I don't care how many words we've tossed up. If there is no commitment, if there is no obedience, we have not worshiped. If, on the other hand, we come and we, put our we give our lives to God, if there are offerings, not only monetary offerings, although I tell you what, the longer I live, the more I am convinced that finances mean so much to us. And therefore, they mean so much to God. Where a man's treasure is, there will his heart be also. I am firmly convinced that following what God has said for our finances 
is absolutely critical to the life of our spirit, as well as to the operation of the financial blessings that we have in this world. And to tell you anything else would be a lie. But there are other offerings too. The offerings of confession. The offerings of... The offerings of commitment to do what you know God wants you to do. The offerings of forgiving someone. The offerings of reconciling with someone. The peace offerings. The fellowship offerings. All of those offerings. The naming of our sin. All of those offerings are part of saying, we will do all that you have said. And so therefore, God not only convenes us and God not only speaks to us, but we speak back to God. You see the difference between dead non-worship and live worship is that dead non-worship is always about God. And live worship is always from God or to God. That's the difference. You can come in and hear about God and you can talk about God to one another. But when, when you come and you personally are hearing from God, and you personally are speaking to God, then you have worshiped. No matter what style, no matter what elements bring you that close, you have worshiped. Now let me, let me also add this. There are a number of you from a number of different backgrounds that love individual worship. I mean, to, to be able to convene together and then just to kind of go into your own thing. Individual worship is very, very important. And we need to live all of our life as worship. And, and that's one of the things we're going to be talking about about a year from now. We're going to be talking about life as worship. And that is a, oh golly, you talk about a life of consecration and maturity. That is wonderful. But when we get together, let's not miss the point. Corporate worship is not individual worship. It is personal worship. And you can feel as intimate and as paid attention to as, as if you were all alone and in your prayer closet and God was with you. But the reason we gather together is to be together. The reason that we share is because there is something about God that comes alive in a group that doesn't come alive with an individual. You see, Israel had this down better than the Christian churches had it down. God speaks corporately. God has a nation of people, and God holds that nation responsible as a nation, as a group. He holds this church responsible as a group. Not just the individuals of the, group, of the church, but the church itself as a group. And so therefore, in a very special way, we are not gathering as individuals. We are gathering as a family, as a group. And that's how we worship. Now the fourth thing that you will notice in that, in that scripture. First of all, remember it is God that calls. It is God that gathers. Secondly, the hearing of the word. 
Thirdly, the participation and commitment on the part of all of the individuals, the offerings, the prayers. And fourthly, there is a dramatic symbol. They sacrifice and they sprinkle blood. There is something that says, this is now a new way. And for them, it is a sprinkling of blood on all the people. Well, for us, it is communion. There is a dramatic symbol. Now, there are other dramatic symbols. When we, when we worship, when somebody comes forward and they kneel down at the altar, that's a dramatic symbol of what God is doing with their life. That says physically there is a commitment taking place here. But it is a tradition in the Old Testament that there is a dramatic symbol that is tied up in a worship experience. Now, I've told you about the elements. Let me talk about the sense of worship because that along with the elements is, is absolutely important. Worship is a heart dedication and an attention focus. I remember when I was a little kid that Janie Kingsborough, she was a she was a physician's daughter that was in our grades, cute little thing. Janie Kingsborough had a birthday party. Her mother gave it to her because she loved Janie and she wanted Janie to have all her friends over and do do honor for her daughter, you know. Well, we all went over there and you know, we we were all idiots and so we just said, Man, birthday party, cake, ice cream, this is gonna be great. So we all showed up. Half of us weren't dressed up. Half of us didn't bring presents. Half, you know, I mean, we're just kind of, was this the party or isn't it? You know, so they invited us in. Really nice, nice place. Nice layout. Great. And so we just took off and played and played and played and played and played and played and played. Nobody paid any attention to Janie Kingsborough. Nobody. After a while, she left. Nobody noticed. We just went on. And then Mrs. Kingsborough left. Nobody noticed. We just went on. It went on for hours. And finally we all looked around and said, where is everybody? You know, that happens in worship. We think we're coming here for some purpose other than to pay attention to God. We're coming for each other, or we're coming to, um, you know, get our social needs met, or whatever. And when we do that, when we don't come to honor the one whom God has called us here to honor, he can leave. And years later, the church looks around and says, so, so where's God? I mean, when did he leave? Where did he go? He's not here. I don't sense his presence anymore. You know why? Because worship has failed to focus on the person of Christ. And it's found some other focus. It's found the music as a focus, or the pastor as a focus, or each other as a focus. But Christ is not the focus anymore. 
If we had paid attention to Janie Kingsborough that day, the minute she started to leave the room, half of us would have said, where are you going? Come on back in here. And we would have talked with her. In like manner, if the Lord Jesus ever leaves this place, I hope that half of us are alert enough to say, whoa, 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 where are you going? Uh, I'm sorry, we weren't paying attention to you. Come on back in here. Don't leave us. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me, David cried. That's important. We can tend to get distracted. We're like babies, you know. Did you ever hold a little baby, you know, at the stage where there's, it's kind of looking at the whole world. And you're kind of getting, get in their face, you know. You're trying to, you're, you're trying to get, you know, trying to get them to look at you. And they just, you know, they maybe notice your eyebrow and then they go off, you know. Then they're noticing the lights. And you're just holding them there and look at them. You know, just, you start looking at them. And then they go like this. You know? They just, they see you all of a sudden. I mean, it's like, where'd you come from? And you've been holding them the whole time. God's just like that. And, and many times we're like that baby. We come in here, we're looking, we're thinking of everything. We're thinking of the kinds of weeks that we had. We're thinking of what we need to do. We're thinking of, of uh, you know, what somebody said to us. We're just looking all around and God's trying, God's trying to get in our face, you know. But then, then, just sometimes it hits us. God, you're here. And he's been here all the time. That's worship. That's worship. Would you pray with me? Lord, help us focus on you, not on the conditions of our lives. Although we know you care about them, not on the condition of the world, although we know you care about the world, not on the things that we have to do, although we know you care about that too. But help us to worship, to attribute worth to you, to put you first. And all the rest of that will come. But to put you first, and to put you first in an intimate endearing way. Let us now worship you in song and in communion. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.